What's happening guys? Aaron here, reporting with another episode of Coaches Q&A. Today I have episode 10. I had the pleasure of being joined by Carly O'Miller, who is a standout in the professional women's lacrosse game, a coach to a wide array of early youth to college age players, as well as being a podcast host and businesswoman herself. Today's ep is absolutely jam-packed with knowledge about high-level physical and mental training, different recovery perspectives between sort of younger and older athletes, as well as the impact a coach can have in the modern world, as well as some tips and tricks for time management with a hectic schedule. Without further ado, let's get into it. All right, guys, today I'm bringing you Coaches Q&A, episode 10. I'm joined by Carly O'Miller, a very prominent figure in the lacrosse world, both on a playing and moving into a coaching space as well. Give us a little bit about yourself, Kylie. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening. Um, my name is Kylie O'Miller. I am from New York, born and raised Long Island, New York. I play professionally for Athletes Unlimited, which is the Women's Professional Lacrosse League here in the United States. Um, I also am the founder and owner of KO17 Lacrosse. Um, so I'm an entrepreneur and I do all sorts of clinics, events, development. Um, we own an app as well um, in the lacrosse world. So I'm a coach, I'm a player, I'm wearing a bunch of different hats, but loving the role that I'm in. Love that. You got your foot in many different buckets there. Mm-hmm. Obviously, being Long Island born and raised, lacrosse is a staple there. It is kind of what everyone starts. At what age did you start picking up lacrosse? Um, I started in third grade, but like you said, it's it's a hotbed for the sport, Long Island. Um, really kind of the northeast of the U.S. is a pretty big hotbed for the sport. But we start at young ages and we play at very high levels. Um, from a young age. So I started in third grade and I started playing club lacrosse when I was in fifth grade. And ever since then, my love for the sport just kind of grew. It's super cool. Like the exposure to different like performance levels there as well. And like now that you're sort of on the other side of that, where you you are the coach as well as the player still, you would work with a whole range of skills, skill levels, like from probably very young kids like yourself when you started at that sort of eight, nine age, all the way up to probably high level college players and the like still. What are the different sort of like challenges you find between coaching a very young person who might be very new to the game versus someone at the top of their college level that still is after that bit of refinement though? Yeah, I think that's one of the, I think, coolest parts of my job. The the most rewarding, right, is, is knowing that I started when I was eight years old and have gotten to this level. And through each part of every part of my journey, I've had different coaches at different levels who have taught me different lessons. And um, in my experience now as a coach, I try to bring each of those lessons that I've learned along the way, each of those experiences and things that I've you know, built my knowledge upon about the game and give them back to, like you said, an eight-year-old who's just first picking up the stick and learning how to play the game. Maybe it's a coach or a parent who has a child who wants to learn how to, how to play the game and doesn't know anything about lacrosse, or maybe it's that high level college player who needs that elite level training. Um, Just, I think taking my own personal experiences and the things that I've learned from coaches along the way, and then turning it into my own kind of training program. And then I think the, the hardest part, the most challenging part is adjusting, going from back and forth, right? Um, as I'm sure you know, right? Yeah. It's going from coaching eight or nine-year-olds to coaching 22-year-olds. There's a big difference in just, you know, the, the ways you can say things and the ways that you can get a, across certain lessons to um, young individuals. So I think that, um, you know, it varies in that sense, but I think that also keeps my job refreshing. 100%. Yeah, you need to be able to speak different languages, like how one person skill levels aside, how one person learns best and is able to digest information completely different to someone else. 
let alone right. that varying sort of height difference of like skill as well, where you might just be basically teaching the very simplest concepts of catching and throwing to a younger player and getting that stress. But an older player isn't really going to benefit from anything like that. Right, and exactly. And I think like, sorry, to your point, like I think like some even athletes, even if they're at the same level skill wise, to your point, I think it's important to also know you know, who can take constructive criticism in one way, whereas um, another, you know, athlete might, might need a little bit of a softer approach and being able to balance that as well. And kind of like, like you said, I like, I like your verbiage and saying, you know, you have to change your language based on the athlete age-wise and also the way that they can kind of perceive constructive criticism. People will thrive off very different things like that. (laughs) That's my Nice, nice. Yeah, people thrive off completely different things like that, where what might, break someone with a very obviously exaggerated term there would be completely different to someone else that would live for that like the michael right. jordan last dance documentary is like a perfect example of that of like you got to get that right core there and speak to them the right way otherwise people will leave people will be broken out and people will not be interested in dealing with whatever you want to do and like touching back to the sort of having different coaches and that there i think that's a, a very pivotal point like often you don't see the things that were very beneficial about them until later on. Like when you're in that moment, your emotions are high, like whether it be playing a game, whether it be going through a training with them and then say scream at you or something like that. But later having the context when that emotional sort of context has been pulled out of it to see like why they were doing that, what they were trying to stress. And like, did you take something from that? Did that help you evolve as a player, person, athlete, human being? And like being able to extrapolate that later down the line to be able to take something from each of those coaches in a different way of what you found to be successful, what you found maybe didn't work and then implore that to your own style there. Right. I think that's such an important thing too, that I think comes back to a lot of the conversations that I have with younger players that I work with, right. Is some of the most frustrating moments that they come to me with. And those are kind of their issues in the moment. Like I always look back and I see myself in those situations when I was their age. Right. And I'm like, yeah, wow, I look back at that and I remember feeling exactly the same frustration that you're feeling right now, the same anger towards your parents who are telling you to get out and practice when you don't want to, right? I remember it's raining, feeling- It's raining, it's raining, I can't. <laughs> exactly, or, you know, no, I want to go hang out with my friends. I don't yeah. want to go hit the wall right now, mom. But, you know, I think remembering that and remembering like the frustration helps me be able to relate to them mm-hmm. in a way that like maybe they might not, kind of respond to their coach or to their parent that's trying to get them get the best out of them but maybe I can take something from hey what would have helped me when I was 15 16 and hearing these things what would have helped me kind of break through and I think that's what's been a really um I guess unique part of me being a young coach um and being able to kind of come right out of college and right out of my own journey and also something that's unique to my journey is that I'm still a player. I'm still learning. I'm still learning how to be a leader. I'm still learning how to, you know, be my best self out on the field while I coach these girls. Right. So I still feel like sometimes I'm not the best version of myself as a player. And I'm still trying to find that when I'm telling them exactly what to do. So that's a hard balance for me. Right. You know, and I think that it's a very difficult, like internal mental balance, but I think that being able to relate to them in those instances is something that is hopefully going to, like you said, stick with them in the long run where they can look back on their journey and be like, wow, that was really relatable for coach Kylie to be able to kind of like bring down to my level and kind of like relate to me and that and help me through it. 
I get that completely. Like it's finding that balance of it's not like a you versus me sort of thing. It's us together on this journey, like trying to better you, trying to better each other. And almost to the touch on sort of like an imposter syndrome sort of thing where like, I'm not perfect. Like I don't do everything hundred percent right every time. Like I'm still trying to develop as well. Like we're both going through the same things, just different stages. And once they start to like be able to internalize and understand that again, very hard from a much younger perspective. Once you get to those, I guess, maybe like later teenage years and the like, you can start to see it a bit more as like, yeah, you're just another person. You're not this adult figure that wants me to do this and that because you're mean or something like that. But it's, yeah, being able to have the, the mental capacity, I feel, to sort of be able to extrapolate that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, like you said, it's it's difficult at younger ages. Mm-hmm. And I think that the more you go through it and the more people you have, um, like I was even having a conversation with one of my young players um, earlier this week, and it was the same kind of situation where, you know, going through the recruiting process, going through schoolwork, going through hard workouts and, you know, just like questioning all of it because it's so stressful. And mm-hmm. I think that you know, being able to relate to being in that position just a few years ago, whereas maybe, you know, his or her parents had never gone through that, yeah. but they're trying to help them through it. Right. It's just a little bit of a, of a different kind of perspective. And I think that, um, you know, that relatability is, is, um, really, really important if you can achieve that as a coach. Absolutely. Okay. The last sort of 18, 19 months has obviously been a pretty tough time. Absolutely. Everywhere launching a mobile training based app is basically the perfect thing to take advantage of that sort of situation, provide training to people that may not be able to travel access, lots of camps, games, clinics, probably all canceled as well earlier in that time period. How have you found that experience? I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah. um, We actually, with KO17 Lacrosse, we were looking to start an app for that exact reason, even prior to COVID. Um, And, you know, once that you know, pandemic kind of hit our world and hit it in the way that it did. We sped up the process um, because I think that it was, like you said, it was something that so many people were missing, not only just lacrosse and in our community, but, you know, so many sports, just the camaraderie aspect of it, the motivation to be able to get up in the morning and, and train for something or be a part of something. We were all missing that. Um, and we, you know, with KO17 Lacrosse, we wanted to create that sense of community again. Um, and it was an ultimate goal of ours in the beginning, because what we do when we're in person and when we have the ability to travel is, you know, I take my experiences to all different parts of the country and of the world. And I do in-person events. And when we weren't able to do that, and when we weren't able to physically bring that, you know, those experiences and those teaching moments to the kids, we wanted to be able to create some platform where, um, Hey, Kylie can't come to Australia. Kylie can't come to England or she can't be there every day of the year, but she can be right here on your phone and she, her, all of her resources can be there and all of KO 17's resources can be there. So, um, we kind of created that platform in May of 2020, we came out with the KO 17 lacrosse app and it has kind of just been this really incredible project where, um, it's allowed us to kind of put our creativity into it. Um, but also I think just the general idea of creating that sense of community where, somebody from across the world can come in and get the same kind of training that someone who is a couple houses down from me here on Long Island. And that's the kind of sense of community that not a lot of sports have. Right. Um, and I think that we see a lot of separation and competition between club programs and youth programs and high schools. And that's how it should be. Right. But ultimately everybody's trying to get better in some sense of the word. So, um, you know, I think that 
that is my ultimate goal is to help whoever wants to, regardless of location, regardless of time of day, regardless of, of what your goals might be. We're going to create a platform that provides features where you can get better on the lacrosse field with drills and skills and all those kinds of things. You can get it better mentally because we provide, you know, all sorts of like a mentality corner where we work on journaling habits. You can get better in the sense of just listening to other people's stories. We have that podcast dream on, um, you know, we have the ability to literally have one-on-one experiences with me on the app where you submit videos and I give you feedback again, things that you might not ever be able to experience in person in life, but you might be able to virtually. I think that, you know, this past, like you said, almost two years has been pretty unfortunate in a lot of, in a lot of senses of the way, but, you know, if we were able to create some sort of form of community and some sort of form of positivity and motivation, that was our ultimate goal. And I think that whether we're in a pandemic or we're not, we want to continue to kind of move that forward and keep that community growing and building. That's epic. Really well said. I think it's, it's awesome in terms of like, obviously seeing the sport of lacrosse from like an Australian perspective where quality training beyond high level sort of rep teams and the like is, is pretty hard to come by. So you imagine having access to something like that, where lacrosse has been played in Australia for like over a hundred years. So with all of, with the speed, the sports growing in all of these other countries that don't have that hundred plus year of infrastructure, like I can't imagine what it'd be like trying to get a pickup game in like a, a central African country or something like that, where they're just getting sticks involved and sticks in hands and being able to have a resource like that, where, I remember when I started playing, you'd be scouring into like lax all stars or something to try find some article about how to how to snap your wrist while throwing or something. But it'd be so arbitrary and so text based there with no videos, no real examples, no real like connection and community, as you were saying, where I have this disconnect to this piece of information. So, oh, okay, I'm not really going to invest in it. I'm not really going to take action right. on it. So then something like this, like your app, the KO17 app, just completely scraps that experience and builds upon it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's really interesting to hear from like a different country's perspective mm. too. You know, I think that it's things we hear about and it's things we re- read about here in the U S but obviously the sport is so heavily, you know, like it's, it's, it's a different here. world essentially. Exactly. It's here. And it's like, I always talk about this. Like I've been, I was born in a hotbed. I yeah. grew up playing for, you know, a very well-known club program. I stayed here on Long Island in a hotbed to play. I, I play for team USA, you know, like I've, I've been very fortunate to have that level, but I know there's so many people out there that will never have that level just based on where they grow up. Right. Mm -hmm. And just based on the fact that maybe, like you said, we don't have those hundred years of experience playing the sport because it hasn't been around us. So, um, you know, I think that it's definitely one of our goals as just a lacrosse community in general too. So if the KO 17 app can do a small part in doing that, like, I think it's been really incredible and seeing, and we have girls on the app from Hong Kong. We have girls from Germany, girls from That's Canada, cool. girls from like, it's just really humbling to see, you yeah. know, those notifications pop up on my little iPhone, <laughs> like, you know, so-and-so subscribed from Hong Kong or, you know, so-and-so subscribed from Brazil. And it's just like, this wow. is really, <laughs> this is that sense of community that like, doesn't matter what national team you end up playing for or mm. what part of the world you're literally sitting in right now, you could still see the same video that, you know, I'm seeing here on Long Island in New York. I think that's a very big sort of pivotal thing, especially like in the coaching space where you are limited by like sheer logistics, like myself in the personal training space where you only have a certain amount of hours a day. You have to spread them between 15 different things already. So trying to fit more and more in just becomes 
to, imp- to impossible, basically. So having an app like that where you are able to scale not necessarily your time for sort of XYZ people, but just keep expanding, keep expanding, having this massive resource database is an awesome project. And I feel that the end goal for a lot of coaches like that to be able to create a network like that. Right. And I think that that's been almost the fun part for me, mm. right? Is like we've done a lot of trial and error in this and in a sense of like finding that schedule that's going to work, right? Like no virtual session that's going to be live at the same exact time every week is going to work for everybody on the yeah. app, right? Like there's time changes. Like it's, it's <laughs> nighttime for me right now. It's not for you. You know, yeah. like it's never going to line up like that for everybody. And so, you know, there's been a lot of trial and error in that sense. Like when should we hold live sessions? Mm. When should, like, should we not hold live sessions? Should everything be pre-recorded and uploaded so that everyone has access to it? A lot of like that kind of stuff has been mm. really fun and, um, you know, kind of interesting to figure out what works best for demographics. Um, but also it's just been such a really great space to like, as trainers, as coaches, right. We just naturally have that, that need and that want to one help people. Right. But also like, I think something you mentioned before is, there's, there's going to be all sorts of different people that we want to try and help. And there's only so many hours in the day. So being yeah. able to like, kind of not spread ourselves thin, but be able to give the right amount of resources to the people that we want to help and to a wide variety of people that we want to help. That's also been a really like, again, it's a work in progress, right? Nothing's yeah. perfect. It here always yet. Is. It's always going to, and the world is ever changing and that's the beauty of it. Right. Um, and lacrosse is ever changing and we got to keep up with that too. And I think that's, that's the really fun part about it being the KO 17 app is that we can literally add whatever we want, take away whatever we want, create a new project, take it away whenever it doesn't work. And um, that trial and error creative process is something that I kind of really am enjoying about it. percent new, new challenge as well, basically venturing into a new space and dipping your foot in and seeing how it goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. We, we love challenges, right? hundred <laughs> percent. All right, let's touch on your playing career a little now. So to say you did quite well in college would be an understatement. Like single season point record, single season assist record, NCAA point record, current team USA member. Was getting to this higher level always your goal or has it sort of changed every step along the way where maybe in high school you wanted to go to college and then in college you wanted to play professionally or has it always been, I want to be on team USA, I want to be one of the top players in the sport? Right. I think, you know, the way that you put that, I think as I got to each level, it was, I want to get to the next level. Um, Mm. And I think, but but I think overall in general, my, my goal has always been to play at the highest level. And I think that what's been cool about my journey is that the highest level keeps changing. Mm. So like, like you said, when I was in high school, the highest level was college lacrosse. So that was, that was my goal was to play for a division one college and the NCAA. And then when I was in college, they came out with the first professional women's league. So I was like, all right, my playing career can't be done. I want to play at the highest level. I want to play and make money to play. Um, and then, you know, as I kind of went through that and I got the opportunity to try out for the national team, it was like, okay, that's going to be the biggest honor, right? That is my biggest goal. So I think my goal has always been ever changing in that sense, but it's all always been to play at the highest level and just kind of be the best version of myself in order to get there. That's awesome. More, more so focused almost on the process of getting to the next level than it is actually, oh, this subjective place is where I want to be. It, it's a constantly moving target because through the process and basically focusing on that, you're continuing to improve maybe beyond what you thought you'd get to. 
Right. Absolutely. Definitely exceeding my own expectations. If I look back at my eighth grade self, I, you know, like I said, you, you would have never imagined that there would even be a place for, um, you know, I say this all the time. I would have never imagined that I would have made a career out of lacrosse. Mm. Like I play and coach lacrosse for a living like that. There's no side gig that I do. Like that's what I do. And that wasn't possible when I was in eighth grade, like thinking about playing in college. So um, grateful for like the ever-changing kind of space of the sport. 100%. Yeah. It's awesome to see how the AU women's like league has basically taken off over the past year and a bit. Like the promo looked really awesome. Like the quality of the games looked extremely high. How, how has it been playing in that compared to the previous leagues, like the WPLL? Yeah. And I think, you know, I got the chance to play in the WPLL for a couple of seasons and then got the chance this past summer to play in AU. And I think our biggest goal, two big goals for like the women's side of the professional game has been exposure, right. To, to faces and to eyes that have never seen the game before. And also, like you said before, to countries or to people who have never had access to that high of a level of watching it in person or watching it on a screen, right? We just have access to text about it. Um, so exposure and then um, also just like longevity, right? And sustainability in, in a sense of like a professional league. So, um, you know, I think that those are two things that we really saw in AU this past summer. And, you know, like you said, they did a great job with social media and promotion and the broadcast was on major broadcasting networks. You know, the exposure that we haven't had yet, we, we got this summer and we're just going to continue to grow on and, um, you know, we're making real, real money playing that's the sport. Awesome. So, that's the goal. You know, I think, exactly. And I think that's the ultimate goal is right. Like look down the line 10 years from now and know that girls can graduate college and just play lacrosse for a living, you know, the way that other sports can say about their professional leagues. So Very um, much trailblazers. exactly. I, I would hope, you know, like I'm hoping that's the case. And, um, but it's also just been, a ton of fun on a smaller level just to get back out on the field. Like you said, after a long 18, 19 months yeah. um, training and, and technically knowing that you're a professional, but not having a league to play in um, mentally tough, but just been real fun to get back out on the field as a player. hundred percent. Like through that sort of time period where you did find it relatively difficult or may have not found it that difficult to get through in regards to training there, like what, what kept driving you? Like what, what did your training look like? What was a week like? Yeah. Um, you know, I think it was probably the most difficult, like mental challenge of my life. Um, just because like I'm used to the team sport aspect. Right. So even just, you know, have being in this professional space where everyone lives wherever they live. And then we come together for the season or we come together for us national team training weekends every once in a while, it's very different. You know, you're kind of, it's very internally like a mental challenge. Um, so I think, you know, adding the, the COVID factor to that and, you know, lockdown and all of that, it was difficult because there wasn't anything like any sort of event or any sort of league or any sort of like end date. Really. Yeah. yeah. There was no end date to be like, okay, I got to be ready by this, you know? And, um, Constant very state of uncertainty. Right. And I'm a very structured person. Like you should see my calendar. It's all color coded, like reminders everywhere, checklists everywhere. So not having that certainty, right. Or not having that date, not having that circled thing on the calendar where it's like, you got to be your best self by here. That was difficult. Um, and I think that to answer your question, you know, every day kind of looked a little bit different. Um, and I tried to do that because I think if I stayed in the same routine, 
I would have gone crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tried to kind of switch it up and try new things. I started doing a lot of yoga, which I had never done before COVID. Cool. Um, That's awesome. Which was re- a really cool journey for me. And now I'm starting to find myself in that. And, um, you know, just playing when I felt like playing rather than playing to train. Um, and then just kind of trying to keep myself in the best shape that I could so that I think my mindset was be ready for a phone call tomorrow that says, Hey, you got to be ready in a week. You know, like that was my mindset, even though I knew we're in the height of a a global pandemic, that's probably not going to happen. That's just what I kept telling myself. But that's exactly it. Like what you tell yourself there is going to frame your thoughts of how you view the whole situation. So if I need to be ready at a moment's notice to be able to perform at ideally my best or at least somewhat close to it's going to keep you driving keep you moving keep you ticking along on that day that you may not feel like working out you're still going to get out there you may not feel like getting a bit of a recovery session or some yoga or something like that getting out there getting it in anyway and I feel that that's what separates probably a lot of the people that may not have had the same success you've had at different levels there is being able to keep that discipline rather than motivation like motivation comes and goes it's fleeting but discipline keeps you doing what you need to do and you know you need to do at those times. Absolutely. I think that's a great point too, right? Like motivation is fleeting. And mm. um, I think especially in those tough times, like my motivation, when it kind of scattered from like being able to tell myself like, hey, you can do this. When that wasn't working, the internal motivation wasn't working. I would remind myself again, I play a team sport, right? Like I would try to think about like, hey, what's what's so-and-so on my Mm. team in California doing right now? Like, I bet you she's not sitting on the couch. I bet you she's doing something like she's ready. You know, I got to be ready for my teammate, that kind of thing. Um, So I think finding that internal motivation that comes from an outside source, even though they're not really saying anything to you, that um, that was helpful for me too. No, I completely get that. I think it's an interesting sort of like spectrum as you become a bit older of an athlete and the like, like you're not necessarily learning new like skills and the like you're more like refining and staying dialed in but the the mental approach to being prepared there changes and I feel that that becomes more and more important whilst not the physical decreases but your ability to be warmed up and ready and dialed in would come a lot quicker than someone that's 13 14 still learning the sport there still learning the techniques how did you have any sort of mental tricks tips other than the one you've just mentioned that you've practiced and sort of learned through this time or even before that when you were going through college or the like Um, you know, I think it, it kind of, it kind of is still being refined over time. You know, I think it's just, as you go through things, you, you learn as you go. Um, and I think that a lot of the, I guess the lessons or the thing, like things about my mindset, I didn't really hone in on in a sense of like taking notes on them or recognizing exactly how I was getting through challenges or recognizing what my mindset really was until college. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my, my personal trainer, TJ, I've been with him for 10 years now. Um, and you know, he's been with me through every single physical phase, right. Where whatever we're working on to get me better on the field, he's been with me switching all of that up. Even still to this day, I'm with him six days a week. And, but he's also been there for all of my nutritional changes. He's also been there for all of my like off the field stuff. Right. So when I was in college, it was, we worked on a lot of like mental stuff, a lot of mentality training, a lot of journaling habits, a lot of things that I had never done before in a sense of thinking about my own mindset. Um, And it really got me to start thinking about like, 
oh, hey, yeah, that's how you got through that really difficult play on the field. Or, hey, that's how you like push through, you know, all that pressure that that coach was giving you and you were able to, you know, put your energy on on your teammates success rather than your own. Like those kinds of things that I was doing naturally anyway, or was Just like didn't fighting. didn't have any language to it. Right. There was no like curriculum to it. There was mm. no recognition to it. And when I started thinking about those things, when I started practicing those things, just like, you know, just like yoga practice or just mm. like lacrosse practice, when I started practicing those things. I started to develop, you know, kind of like some knowledge on it and now find I awareness can, of them. Right. And now I can, when I find myself in those situations, look back on like, Hey, where are my notes? Like, or what, what did I do here that might help me here? Or it, now I have something to kind of look back on and, and utilize in those moments. And, um, I think that's really been kind of very helpful for my mindset and being able to go through life's challenges, you know, cause I think that every day throws you a new one and life is ever changing. So, um, being able to kind of go back to what works for you is, um, something that's been helpful for me hundred percent. Yeah. I think it's, it's a very like pivotal skill there to have those sorts of things intrinsically happen and you basically do them without realizing, and it just takes its own form through your sport. But then as an athlete that obviously starts to grow up, being able to extrapolate those out and use them in your daily life, use them in a work setting, in a business setting, in just general like relationship management and the like of different strategies there. And at that point, when you can take them beyond sport, like, I feel you kind of level up as a human there, being able to be so much more capable in all these different situations based on your experiences in this athletic world and realm. And it sounds like that's exactly sort of what you've gone through there and being able to take them and consciously use them now and go, all right, like maybe I'm really frustrated by this thing happening. Okay, like let me reframe it. Like I'll try and take my emotion out of it. If I'm looking at it from a third person perspective, like how would I feel? What would a calm person do in this situation? cool. Okay. There's the perspective I needed. I know what to do. I'm still annoyed maybe, but I can go about it this way. Right. And I think that's like, like you said, I think that's like the pinnacle when you recognize like, okay, I can, I can utilize all these things that I might've learned through um, a practice in lacrosse, but I worked on my mindset through it. Now I can take it into my daily life and, you know, recognize what are the things that make me happy? What are the things that make me motivated? What are the things that I can help to motivate myself when I wake up and I feel like not doing it? You know, like, I think those are things that I also kind of pride myself in making sure that yes, I'm still working on them myself. Right. Just like I'm still working on my lacrosse game myself, but it's also stuff that I just wish I was doing when I was 13, 14, 15. So if that's something that I can provide my 13, 14, 15 year olds that work with me at a younger age, then hopefully they'll be better off by the time they get to college too. For sure. I think it's a, a really interesting thing that a lot of coaches end up becoming the resource that they would have wanted, needed, whether it be consciously or subconsciously at that age. So like I have a few like 13, 14 year old kids I work with as well for a variety of different sports and trying to be the resource that I would have absolutely thrived with at that age for them is such a like a rewarding and also motivating factor there. And I can see that that's exactly where you're coming from in that same perspective there. Yeah. And I think that's the perfect way to put it. Right. It's, it's almost rewarding in the sense that you're kind of like, wow, I, I could have used this and I know that I could have used this. So I'm hoping that I'm helping them too. Like it's, 100%. but like you said, it's also motivating. Cause it's like, I know I can be doing more or I yeah. know I don't want to leave them in the same space that like, I know I could have been better. So like, I think it's a really, um, 
I like the way that you put that. Yeah, like put it, putting good energy into the universe there to be able to do the good that I can with what I know, with my skill set, with my knowledge, to be able to help other people versus it not being wasted, but not being optimized and utilized by just staying within me. Right, exactly. And I think that's the mark of a great coach. I'd agree completely. <laughs> Touching on back what you were saying in terms of how your schedule for training is quite full on at the moment in terms of six days a week, plus your own like skill practice on top of that and the like. Do you have any sort of like recovery things that you rate higher than others that you utilize quite often or like what's your view on recovery in that regard? Yeah, um, I would say that, like I said before, I would say probably, you know, through college and maybe even like right after college, I recovery was important to me. I definitely, you know, before each workout would roll out, get my mobility, get my stretches, same thing with afterwards. You know, if I was feeling sore, I'd do all sorts of rolling and whatnot, but, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't anything more than that for me. And as I start to get older, I have recognized that like the longevity and how long I can play, like, I want to make sure I can play as long as I can. And that's going to mean I need to take care of my body. Um, so a little bit of what has been helping me, um, is a little bit of extra, like preventative type of treatment. Whereas I'm not, where I'm not really waiting for something to hurt. I'm just kind of being like, okay, I know, like, I know my ankles usually hurt after I go play. So before I go play, I'm going to go get some treatment on it kind of thing. Um, and that's been really helpful. Um, but also I think the yoga practice has also been really, really helpful for me too. Cause it's given me one, another challenge, right? Like these poses and certain areas and, um, certain different things that like kind of come with yoga flows and whatnot. They challenge me in a way that I've never been challenged before. Um, they also give me new stretches, new poses, new things to kind of just like feel out my body a little bit more. Right. And, um, I think that that's been huge for me and being able to kind of, kind of connect with my body and see what it needs. Um, I think has been really, really huge for me in a sense of like one switching things up. Cause if I was doing the same thing I was doing when I was 18, I, I probably wouldn't be able to do it. Right. Um, Exactly. I'd be bored. I would be unmotivated and I'd probably be breaking down somewhere. (laughs) You know what I mean? I get it. I get it. I think that the switch up is really huge. And I think that the new challenge is really huge. And then I think that, you know, being able to connect with my body in a sense of feeling it out in different poses, stretches, things like that, knowing what to focus on a little bit more or a little bit extra. If one side of my hip is tight and the other one isn't right. Like maybe I'm compensating somewhere like that kind of like really just connection with what my body is in tune with um, is really important for me now. Yeah, for sure. I think the the yoga there is probably the culmination of all of those things together where it's like a de-stressor. It's a new challenge. It's great for your body in terms of having to work out and feel out these different positions whilst also being a, like a physical challenge. Like people severely underrate how hard yoga can be. Like when you get some like of the more advanced positions and the like, and you're trying to hold them in like a, in a headstand and stuff like that, where <laughs> people can barely stand on the spot on one foot, like well enough, let alone upside down and the like. It's and, well, of course, that was the first thing that I wanted to try and tackle too. Is <laughs> that a big ambitious challenge? You know, that's what you got to do. <laughs> yeah, and I think it—it's the sort of thing where, like, having 17, 18 years of like relatively high performance in a sport, like that's ripe for the potential for overuse injuries and the like. So, if you were to go out and train like you did when you were 14, 15 and trying to grind, then like 
you're probably going to do not necessarily more damage, but you're not going to get anywhere near as much for it. Like you imagine the analogy of a person or an athlete being like a tire and you have so many kilometers or miles of tread. If you burn through three quarters of them by the time you're 18, your pro career is probably not going to be very long. Like if you try and make the most of what you've got left, however much it may be, by changing up methods, bringing up other challenges and the like, and like keeping your mind and body sharp through ways that aren't necessarily taking that same tread off. I feel that's kind of the best of all situations there. Like as you're obviously a very high level player, like you know what you need to be sharp. You know how you need to warm up and feel ready on the day. Like that, that amount of work may be completely different to someone else, but you know what works for you there. And to be able to be able to move on outside that and bring other things in that level you up overall without taking that trait is kind of the best of the situation, I feel. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, like you mentioned before, right, like a 13, 14, 15 year old might not know what works for them quite yet. But, you know, me at 25, I know what works for me now, Mm. you know, and um, I might not have known that when I was their age either. But um, I think it just comes with practice. I think it comes with those new challenges that you challenge yourself with, um, you know, and also just like learning how to be in tune with your body and listen to it when it's trying to tell you things, right? Like I think you mentioned this earlier before too, right? You wake up and something's wrong. Something feels a little bit off. Like maybe it's not the best day to, you know, go and push yourself 150% the same way you would when you were 14. Like I know that now, right? I know to listen to my body now, but I might not have known that when I was 18. So I think think it's it's also the perspective of like when, when you're like, especially a very young youth athlete, like whether you're 12, 13, 14, like, you'll go out and sprain your ankle one day and you'll have the second day of a tournament the next day you'll wake up and be like oh cool i'm ready to go like my ankle feels amazing and just have that ability to maybe not recover overnight but to be able to just go out the next day and still feel fine like whether you're blocking it out or it's just it's not as bad as you initially felt like i feel that these days as like people in our mid-20s like if i went out and rolled my ankle it's probably going to be like somewhat noticeable the next day to the point where I'm not going to go out and play at 110% again. Right. And I, that's so funny because like, that's literally me to a T. Like I've <laughs> sprained my ankles so many times and like, you know, the next day would have a big tryout and, you know, in high school and it's like, no big deal. Like just tape yeah. it up and go even through college. Right. Like there were things I would just tape up and just go. And, um, you recognize after you graduate that they're like, actually, you actually need surgery on them. Yeah. You know, like that, you know, that's literally happened to me. So, um, but now, you know, like you said, a sprain of an ankle, it's like, okay, I really need some like, I need to assess. <laughs> yeah. Like I yeah. need some serious treatment, but it's just like, it's how the body works. And I think that the preventative stuff beforehand has been really helpful for me. And mm. also just making sure that like, even if it feels like a little bit extra, like, and I feel like I might feel really good. Like I really should probably still get my mobility in, yeah, right? Like hundred percent. Exactly. So like you're keeping I've that ever- nice health foundation underneath that performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that like, it's now I recognize it. Right. And I think that it's because I'm recognizing, like, if I do get hurt, it do- it is much worse because mm. I am, my body is a little bit more banged up. You know, I think that, um, it, it doesn't bounce back the way that it did when it was 16. So I think that um, recognizing that and knowing like, okay, I can take five minutes out of my day to get a couple more stretches in before I go on this run. Um, I think that's way more worth it than, you know, sitting out for a couple months for an ankle sprint because that's how my 100%. body works. 
you know. Especially at the point where it's like your livelihood as well, where like if you suffer a massive injury because you've been neglecting your own work there versus like, say, you're in high school playing for like a, a weekend team or something. It's a very different situation there where like the onus as a professional athlete is on you. Like I'm sure the team trainings are nowhere near comparable to what you had in college where like every day you'd be out there in a group, you'd be all training together. Whereas now it's like, it's on you to get your work in. And that's mm. obviously a massive differential. Absolutely. I think that's probably the biggest difference um, and probably the biggest challenge. I was actually talking with um, one of my athletes, unlimited uh, professional teammates from this past summer, who she was a rookie this past summer. So she was coming off her college season. And we were talking about that big kind of change from mm. college. You go from having the set workouts, having things you need to be at on time with your teammates, the motivation there with you every single day to all of a sudden you're on your own and making sure that you're taking care of yourself kind of thing. And it's definitely the biggest challenge from going from there to there. And then, you know, having to still take care of yourself the same. I'm sure it's quite a, like an alienating sort of feeling where you've gone obviously from a massive group to just basically being on your own there. Like obviously having been through a few sort of different cycles of like pro teams, have they all been pretty similar in that regard of how the protocol of trainings are run? Yeah, most have been very similar. And, um, you know, I've been fortunate enough to be a part of the, the U.S. national team kind of like um, training pool for almost seven years now. And I think that, um, you know, I it's it's very similar in the sense that like it's every couple months you meet together as a team for a training weekend. And so you kind of know the when those months mm -hmm. are um, and you're kind of training on your own for those. So, you know, when to like really ramp it up and when to really give your, your body a recovery. Um, but it in to answer your question, it, it's very alienating. Um, you know, I think that a lot of us go home to one other jobs, right? Like I, I'm fortunate enough to be surrounded by lacrosse all the time, but some, some of my teammates, you know, are teachers or, um, you know, some of my previous teammates have worked on wall street, like all these different things. They go back to that normal lifestyle and still have to train to be a part of a national team or be a professional athlete. And, um, you know, I think that's, it's a really unique thing for the sport, right? Like being able to balance all those different things, being able to alienate yourself, you know, not on purpose, but then be able to come back into the team camaraderie and kind of like act like you haven't been alienated this yeah. entire, you know, and, and motivated yourself this entire time. So it's really important to like, you know, we're lucky we're in an age of social media and FaceTimes and Zooms and like group chats and everything. So we stay in touch and it's, you know, we, even through COVID, we hopped on like Zoom workouts together as a U.S. national That's team, awesome. you know, just keeping that sense of the camaraderie, right? So that we don't feel as alienated all the time. You don't feel and like just, strangers when you go up to do a camp together. Right, exactly. And I think that's the best part about like the social media world um, that we're living in is that we can stay connected like that, mm -hmm. even though most of my teammates live in all across the country. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's been really great. No, I get that completely. Like from an Australian perspective, like our entire national team all have other jobs and they're like all have other careers. And it's kind of like an unpaid, completely unpaid, like side hobby and getting through those obviously long years in the lead up to like a national championship like that is, it's quite interesting to see. Like I, I'm not personally a member of the squad or anything like that, but it's interesting to see how they all basically have to train themselves, how they have to go about it. And when they do meet for a camp like that, it's, it's an interesting sort of spectation from my point of view, where like you've basically got to try and connect as hard as and as quickly as you can in that environment 
to form a bond so that when you do separate out again, like it's not like, oh, we're just sort of strangers. Like I've got you as a friend on Facebook from four years ago, but I oh, yeah, like, cool. Yeah. I, I know your name, you know? Right. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I think it's also a very unique sense in when everybody goes back to their own personal lives too. Like I was thinking about this the other day, right? Like everyone's surrounded by different circumstances where, mm. you know, not everybody that I get to surround myself with in my daily life are doing the same thing as me, right? Like some people don't understand, like maybe some of my friends don't understand, or maybe some of, you know, the people that I'm around don't understand, like, Hey, why do you have to work out for three hours a day? I don't understand. Can't you just cancel? Just your come workout? out, just come out. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And like everybody, you know, all of us, you know, when we are in that kind of like when we're together and we are going for that same goal, it feels right. But when you separate into your, your own little pods, right. Like you, you can sometimes get surrounded by people like that, that, you know, are, have never been a part of it. So they don't quite understand. And, um, I'm lucky enough to not be surrounded by too many people like that. Cause I have a lot of friends who played sports in college, yeah. but it is funny. They're like, you're still playing. You're still running 300 <laughs> up there. Like, why are you still running 300s? I'm like, guys, I got training weekend in two weeks. I I'm gotta, not like, doing this by because I enjoy it. I'm doing it. Yeah, I, like, <laughs> I promise you I'm not out here doing 300s for fun. Like, yeah. <laughs> promise. <laughs> I think it's an interesting sort of thing, like touching back on like the, the group you surround yourself with, like through your sort of like early twenties, I feel that you, well, a lot of friend groups sort of split ways, like post-college and the like, like post-university slash high school for, for me here where once you kind of lose those common interests of being at the same space every day or like playing sport together, whatever, if someone starts to drop off and like, it can be very easy to sort of split ways. And as sad as it is at times, that can be a positive change for your life. Like not saying necessarily someone might be toxic or anything like that, but if you have different values, different goals, and you are sort of friends by almost circumstance, it can be one of those situations where by splitting ways, you kind of, level up you move on and the like and establish people with better common interests that are aligning with a similar purpose to yourself right and I think that's almost at every like level of mm. life too right like and something that I try to to push that lesson along to some of my younger girls too right like some of the friends you have in high school you're pr- might not be friends with when you go to college because they might not have similar goals as you right 100%. um and then like you said it kind of just continues on into life and um like you said, you want to surround yourself with the people who are going to support you no matter what. And I've been fortunate enough to have a lot of people from every like spot in my life, every time period in my life who still understand what my goals are and who still support me no matter what. Um, so I, I've been fortunate enough to, to have that, that support system. No, that's awesome. It's a mark of like a true friend that they understand whether they understand that they are coming from the same sort of perspective, or even just, they understand that that's what you want to do. Like, and respect that and allow your time to be for what you need to do there. Like that's, I feel the mark of someone that values you as a person, not just mm-hmm. what they want out of you as a friend. Absolutely. Mark mm. of a true friend. Exactly. With so many hats you have to wear between coaching, between running apps, between training yourself, between performing on field and the like, you must have some absolutely killer time management skills. Give us a little about how you manage your time, like any tips, tricks for people at home that are listening or just, touch on how you perform um well as you know my schedule is ever changing we've been trying <laughs> to lock down a date to get this podcast going but um yeah I think I have always been someone who's been super organized and I like find joy in that I find like yeah, I, I get that. hate being unorganized I like when I go for long travel situations I like the second that I get home I gotta unpack put away my laundry like 
do all that before I can settle in. Like, so my time management is like, you know, all of my calendars are color coded. Everything is set, you know, to the T and, um, I think it's just a lot about communication too, especially if you're working with other people or if you're setting up events or, um, you wear a lot of hats, right. I think being able to communicate and communicate ahead of time, um, is important. And that's something that I've learned through the business world the last couple of years. Um, and I think also being able to, again, just like know what works for you, like what works for me might not work for somebody else, but I've always been a color coder. I've always had like certain colors in my calendar that, mean you know clinics here or personal life here or this and like i can just look at it and know what i've got going on that day um but i think that also just remembering that like and this is something that i'm starting to get a little bit better at my friends and my family yell at me all the time that i need to give myself some more time like downtime (laughs) um so yeah i get it i'm starting to get better at it but you know i've always been someone that likes to see or not necessarily likes to see but feels better about myself when i see a packed day right Mm -hmm. on my schedule and um you know unfortunately those packed days kind of line up back to back to back to back and that ends up in me being run down and as an athlete you can't be run down in order to perform your best. So I've learned that the hard way. And I think that I've started to give myself more of those personal days, right. And more of that personal time on, on normal days. And, um, again, just starting to listen to not even my body anymore, but more so like my mental state. Am I, am I doing okay? Cause yeah. I need to be able to perform. So, um, in a lot of different ways, like you said, right. As a player, as a coach, as a role model, as a family member, as a friend, I wear a lot of different hats and, I got to be able to perform at my best in all of them. So if I'm not feeling hundred um, percent, I'm not going to be able to, to, you know, be my best there. No, I completely get that. Like, I think that's something that every coach goes through inevitably at some sort of stage in their career of like, I'm just trying to scale myself up, give as much as I can, give as much as I can until I have nothing left for myself there, whether it be time, whether it be relaxation to be able to de-stress, whether it be just packing your days that you literally aren't sleeping, you're sleeping five hours a night. Like, there are times obviously that it is beneficial to push a little like that, but when it's four, five, six days a week, back to back weeks, like you, you don't even have a chance to breathe. You feel like you're almost sort of drowning there. You're trying to stay with your head above water and not like sink to the bottom of the lake or whatever. And you like, obviously ideally you don't get to a point of complete burnout where you need this long sort of hiatus or something blows up or the like where you're able to recognize obviously from other people's perspective being able to tell you that and I I get that completely like family friends and like going like you need some time for yourself at some point like if you've not had a week off this entire year like come on like you got to look after yourself there because if you can't if you're not there at your best like it not it's almost a disservice to the people you're training working with and the like that you're coming in at 70 percent because you've had to give your 70 percent to 1500 people that week mm-hmm. and it's definitely a bit of a learning game there to be able to balance that definitely definitely a learning game again something definitely i'm like starting to be better at um you know and it's it's also hard for me to say no to opportunities right so if opportunities come along it's Um, that's something I've also been learning to get better at is, is saying no or saying, Hey, can we do this another time? Um, for a sake of, again, just, just feeling at my best Mm -hmm. so that I can give a hundred percent when I do show up at that event or when I do show up at a family event after a long travel day, you know, like being able to give my a hundred percent there too, is, is something that's important. So, 
um yeah but a learning game all the same just like the rest <laughs> no i get that completely i think it's a it's a really interesting that probably isn't touched on enough in like the coaching space as to like be able to balance your own enjoyment your own life your own existence outside of coaching so you don't identify just as a coach or just as a player or so whatever had it may be for that time and be able to spread yourself there mm -hmm. all right so last question i like to ask all my guests that okay. may or may not be a coaching related answer training related answer life insight related answer whatever you feel is the most appropriate there you can okay. give yourself one piece of advice to five years ago kylie what are you telling yourself Five years ago, Kylie, um, I would tell her that five years ago, <laughs> this is hard. Yeah, I would say that, you know, it's tough to like when you're in an instance, right? Like, or, or you're in a situation or you're just kind of like going through life, like your bubble of life feels like whatever happens within it is either the end of the world or, you know what I mean? Like whatever goes on within that bubble um, is going to be the end of the world. And I would tell myself that like that bubble is going to expand. You're going to find yourself in a bunch of different bubbles. And um, this isn't the only thing that matters, right? Like wh where you're living right now, the goals that you have right now, yes, chase after them with everything that you've got, but also start to like stop and smell the roses a little bit, mm. enjoy the moment of it, because if it doesn't work out, it's okay. Life is going to go on and things are going to work out. Um, and you're going to work hard enough to be able to achieve those goals anyway. Um, so I think maybe just looking back, telling myself to enjoy the moment a little bit more because life does go, go quick. Um, and you know, those little bubbles do expand. I get that completely. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really good advice there. Like, yeah. Understanding that life is bigger than what you're going through at that time. Like, five, 10 years down the line, like what you thought was the end of the world, maybe like you failed a high school class or something like that. Like mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of things, 10 years down the line, like you're not even going to remember what that class was. You're not going to remember what, the circumstance right. of what happened. Like it all, everything expands as you get older, I feel. Absolutely. And I think just kind of remembering that at every stage of life too, right? Is like enjoying the moment of where you're in and enjoying like the goals that you have in the journey and the process of of trying to achieve them while you're in it, but remembering that, you know, that bird's eye view of life and like how minuscule the moment that you're in might, might be. Um, so reminding yourself of that. hundred percent. Love that. All right. I think that might wrap us up there. Give yourself awesome. a bit of a plug here, your socials, where people can find you, the KO17 app and anything else you're currently working on. Sure. Uh, you can find me mostly on Instagram at Kylie O'Miller 17. Um, you can find KO 17 lacrosse on Instagram, on Twitter. Um, you can find our KO 17 lacrosse app for free on iTunes. Um, and there are all sorts of subscription plans there. And you can also find me on the dream on podcast also found on iTunes and Spotify. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for coming on. It's been awesome. I'm sure people have taken a lot of different insights and points and helpful habits and tricks to be able to like perform at home themselves. Appreciate it very much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been it awesome is. chatting with you.